Hey, this is Pastor Zach, and thanks for listening to the Center Point Church Podcast. Remember, hope is alive, and his name is Jesus. Well, how are we doing today, church? Well, good morning. How are we doing today, church? Come on. Yeah. It's good to be with you this morning on this beautiful November day. It is Thanksgiving week. Anybody excited for that? Woo, yeah, giddy up. Come on. Well, welcome to all our friends here with us today. That's such a lovely, lovely, beautiful crowd. Um, I love to see your beautiful faces today and have you in person with us. To our people watching on Facebook, uh, I'm not going to tell you how beautiful you are. So, you know, like, uh, we're glad you're tuning in, but I wish you were here. You know what I mean? So, uh, hey, guys, uh, welcome into our Facebook friends. You know I joke. You know I kid. You know I hate Facebook Live, but you're here with us, and that's what matters today. So somebody say amen for that. You know what I mean? Like, as bad as I bash Facebook, if you haven't learned uh, how often I do, it's a lot. Um, but anyway, my name is Zach. I'm the pastor here, and on behalf of the dozens of folks that make this place happen each and every week, we just want to welcome you. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, last week, we kicked off this little mini-series called Thanks Living. Uh, it is a play on words on Thanksgiving. You kind of see what I did there, right? Thanks Living. It's kind of obvious. It's really not like trying that hard there. But um, I began to think about this uh, idea of, um, you know, all right, it's, it's November, so I'm going to post what I'm thankful for every day, you know, on Facebook. And if I didn't take a picture, I'm not thankful for it. You know, and like, you know, we're sharing these things and we do this. And, and it just, it always looks like we're only grateful, like, you know, one month out of the 12 of the year. We're only grateful for things and, and thankful that we have to intentionally do this. And, and I think it's great that people do this as a reminder. But I want to encourage us as followers of Jesus, and, and that's why we gather here, and, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't resonate with that, that's okay. This message is for you today, too. And I want to give you an opportunity today to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, I'm not going to hide our agenda. That's what we want. We want you to know him in a mighty way. And we want you to be able to live a life, live a life, living every day with gratitude, living every day with thankfulness. Like, you know, this ain't Thanksgiving, y'all. I'm thanksgiving. Like, every single day, 365 I am thankful for what God has done in my life. And so that's, that's what I'm pushing you guys towards and what we're, uh, what we're doing on this journey today together. And so um, during the series, we, we're, we're, I'm using it to, to focus a little bit on David in the Bible. And King David, um, now this is you know, David and Goliath, that David, <laughs> later known as King David, um, also the David who wrote uh, a majority of the Psalms that we read. Um, David was an important dude in the Bible, and so we're looking at his life, and um, David knew how to give thanks. I mean, if you ever read Psalms, Psalms are meant to be like, um, have music played with them, uh, and actually when you read the scripture, it'll tell you like a little pretext before the psalm actually starts. It's like, for the choir director and the playing of an eight-stringed lyre. You know what I mean? Now, I, the only eight-string instrument I have is a, um, is a guitar, an electric guitar. Mikey has it right now, actually. And um, I was going to bring it and play it, but the only reason you have an eight-string guitar is if you want to play super wicked, low-pitched death metal. And that's why we have that guitar, right? <laughs> like, I used it, you know, used it for like one song several years ago, and it has like this crazy like rumble sound. That's the only reason you have eight-string guitar. Guitar lesson, this is free, this is on me. A guitar has six strings, all right, six strings. 
You add two more, you're only getting lower, and it's, it's, you know. So I was like, I could play this before we read the Psalms today, but I didn't. Then I was going to use one of the scriptures that, that actually prefaces it with playing a flute, and I was going to actually pull it out and play like the little Willy Wonka, you know, where he calls, you know, the, uh, not his minions, but whatever they're called, the Oompa Loompas, you know, the little, you know, that little thing there. I was going to use that but I didn't. So uh, just, just for you, because I couldn't find my little flute, and the fact that you're like, Zach, you have an eight-string guitar and a flute? Like, come on, like a little tiny one, but I couldn't find it. Like I looked all over the place yesterday for it. But David knew how to give thanks. David, David was a musician. He liked to write these psalms and, and, and these songs of thanksgiving. And David lived a lot of life that is documented in the scripture, and we're gonna continue to look at that today. Now, as we look at living a life of thanks or thanks living, you know, we're putting it in the context of, hey, we're a few days away from Thanksgiving. And this is kind of like the start of the holiday season. You know, a lot of people have been complaining this year, you know, how Thanksgiving seems to keep getting bypassed. You know what I mean? Like, we just kind of steamroll it and move right into Christmas. It's like, all right, Halloween's over. It's Christmas time. You know what I mean? People are like, hold up. What about Thanksgiving? You know, and big box stores and, and retailers, they've kind of steamrolled Thanksgiving too. It's like we're opening Thanksgiving Day at 1 p.m. You know, come get, you know, 15% off a Ray Dunn pot. You know what I mean? Like, some of you ladies know what Ray Dunn is. I recently learned what it was, and that's the second time I've made fun of Ray Dunn already this morning. So it's pretty good. I'm doing well, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we've become this culture that's so consumed with this goofy stuff that we've kind of steamrolled Thanksgiving. And I want to share with you something kind of personal. Let me tell you something. Like, I love how the holidays, and, I, and when I say holidays, I'm referring to, you know, this, this season of Thanksgiving into Christmas. I love how the holidays are portrayed in movies, in TV. Somebody say amen, because you're with me today. I actually have become disappointed in years past that the holidays don't look like what you see in the shows and in movies. You know, you know what I'm talking about, though? Like, um, you know, why is Hallmark so popular? Let's think about it. Why is Hallmark so popular this time of year with all their Christmas movies, right? It's the same storyline over and over and over. You know what I mean? It's like her family runs a Christmas tree farm, but it's failing, and they've started to lose the joy. But young Sandy has held on to that joy, and Christmas is her favorite time of year. In comes the big, the big uh, investor from New York City, and he's bitter towards Christmas because his grandfather died on Christmas Eve when he was 10 years old and he's never gotten over it. And they and he's all thinking it's all about the numbers with this Christmas tree farm. And Sandy's over here saying, no, it's about the joy of Christmas and what a Christmas tree represents. And somewhere in the middle, they find love and they love Christmas together and it snows. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Hallmark Movie Channel. There you go. <laughs> that is it. You're welcome. And they pump out like 40 of those a year. My wife and I, uh, I and I, I would love to give you the numbers. This is just off the cuff. But we were talking about it the other day. My wife's like, she's like, Zach, you do video stuff? I'm like, yeah. She's like, how much money are those like actors and actresses really making? I said, well, they're doing all right. But I said, they're not rolling in the dough. You know what I mean? There's a couple, you know, Candace Cameron makes a lot of money. Some of the other ones, it was like, you know, this person, you know, old Sandy, she made, she made $25,000 for doing this Hallmark movie. You know, it's, it's, it's. Which, for you and me, it's like, oh, you get to play in a stupid generic movie and make 25 grand? We all need to move to Hollywood and be actors and make Christmas movies because they're not hard and people watch them and it's the same storyline over and over again. But 
Why do people love those Hallmark movies? Because millions of people out there are just like me, and they love how it's portrayed. You know what I mean? It's like, where's this magical town that they're at, that it snows and everything's decorated, and there's somebody out on the street handing out free hot chocolates, saying, Merry Christmas to you. You know what I mean? Like, we all want to go to Whoville around Christmas and just, like, live in this whole thing. Now, I know it's all fake, and it's actors, and it's on a set, but you watch this stuff and think, that's what I want my Thanksgiving to look like. My aunt, for years and years and years, her, her goal was to make her turkey look like what it looks like, you know, in a movie, where it's, like, perfectly golden, and it has, like, the little um, things on the feet. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know where you buy those things. You know what I mean? What are those called? I don't know. What are the feet things? The little puffy things put on the feet of a dead turkey. On the t- I don't even know. It looks like a little chef hat, and they're right there. Pastor Joe's not here, but he's, on, he's watching on Facebook Live, and I'm sure he's commenting. He's like, this is what it's called, you know what I mean? So I have no idea. But he probably knows what it's called. But my aunt, like, forever, she, she would always be disappointed if her turkey didn't turn out golden brown. And she did a good job making a wicked turkey. Like, like, but it was always funny because she, she was just, like, she was just, you know, out there about it. She's like, I just wanted to look like what it looks like in a movie. That's what I, that's what I want to look like. I don't care how it tastes. I just want it to look pretty and have that nice golden thing and everybody in cool sweaters hanging around and wearing a giant home in Connecticut. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be, it's like, I want to be in Connecticut in a big house. Like, if you ever watch the movie Meet the Parents, it sounds really funny. Ben Stiller, right? And they go, they leave New York City and they go visit, you know, his fiance's family. And they have like this beautiful house and things. In the movie, everything goes awry and it's funny and this kind of thing. But that whole setting, it's like, oh, I want to go to Connecticut. Connecticut, I want to have a home, you know, in Connecticut and drive down the street and, you know, and there's just fall leaves everywhere and have this beautiful Thanksgiving. That's what I want in my mind. And the other thing about movies is there's always so much time. I shared this with the Dream Team today. You ever notice like, oh, we're just going for a quick two-day two-day trip, you know, and it's like they had time to like go to a Christmas pageant and go shopping and have this big dinner and then do all these things and they were on a sailboat at one time and there's just all this time and, and so so when you think about it, you know, it's like I, I'm looking forward to this week like, you know, like anticipating family coming into town, getting to see people and hanging out. I love it, but what's going to happen is it's going to rush right by. It's like we're going to be right back here on Sunday and it's going to be like, man, what just happened? I don't know. Like it just, it just passed so fast. And, and I always see that in the movies. And that's what I'm jealous of. I'm like, it's just like time stands still. Yeah, it's fake. I get it. But it's still, it's like it stirs something with inside me. And the problem is this just isn't real life. The problem is many of us this week will probably walk into a Thanksgiving event of some sort. And we're going to be carrying some heaviness and some weight. And it's not going to look anything like the Hallmark films that we like to watch, right? For some of us, it may be difficult to have joy this week on Thanksgiving. For some of us, it may be difficult to laugh. Man, my prayer for you this week is that you laugh. My prayer is that you find moments of joy. My, my prayer is that you get to be around some family and just connect in a way and somebody share a story. And you guys just belly roll laugh until you're sore from laughing, like, because it's good for your spirit. Laughing is good for you. That's why I try to make you laugh, telling my Hallmark stories and my script for it. It's copywritten, by the way, so don't steal the one about the Christmas tree farm and Sandy. Like, I, you know, that's, that's my personal one I've written, right? For some of you, you think you should be celebrating, and with, for, for whatever reason, maybe the people you, you should be celebrating with aren't there. 
Maybe it's been a death in the family, or maybe it's been disagreements and open wounds among family members. This Thanksgiving is not going to have all the warm and fuzzy Hallmark Thanksgiving feels in a big house on a perfect fall day in Connecticut vibe. It's just not going to happen. We've got to understand that. This is real life here, and and we've got real life issues we're dealing with. And, And I can stand here and say, oh, just be grateful and thankful this week. And it may mean nothing because it is just going to be too difficult for you. So my hope today is to encourage you a little bit, to give you something to be thankful for, to make maybe what this week is going to look like just a little less painful and a little more enjoyable. And and I can't assume to know everything that every one of you may be dealing with right now in your life, but I can tell you that you are not on an island. You're not alone. How you're feeling, what's been going on, you're, you're not alone. You're not forgotten about. We are all in this together. And so as we turn to look at King David, you know, we often talk about how grateful David was in all his writing in Psalms. It's just the part that we focus on. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We focus on all that stuff that we've written songs about, right? But David had some low moments. David wrote about his low moments. And today I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the folks who may, be going, who, who may be going into this start of the holiday season with some heaviness, with some hurt. And this may be a little bit different, but I just want to know, are you with me today? Are we here today? You, do I got your attention? I want you to hear me out here. We're going to jump into Psalms 4. It says this. It says, answer me when I call to you. This is David writing. O God who declares me innocent, free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy. And those who have abundant harvest of grain and new wine, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. This may seem like a really interesting scripture. For some of you right now, you're saying, all right, so Zach, I heard something about uh, if people run their mouths about me, I should drink wine and go to sleep. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's very paraphrasing that. And that's not what it's saying at all. It's not what we're talking about. No, no, no. <laughs> you can read this and you can take it as David's lament for how people were talking trash about him. David was a well-known guy, and people, there were, he had a lot of enemies, a lot of people that wanted to see his destruction, and some of you may resonate with that. Some of you may know what that's like. Some of you will walk into tense situations on Thursday, and you'll lower your head just a little bit because someone has talked about you behind your back, somebody in your family that you're going to be around, maybe that sister-in-law or that mother-in-law. You know what I mean? And they've maybe talked trash about you and ran their mouths. First of all, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, you guys are beautiful, sweet people, and you would never talk trash about me. I love you dearly. Just let me clarify that before that gets me in trouble. That'll be the one excerpt that we pull out and we put as a small clip out on YouTube, right? You know what I mean? Pastor says his mother-in-law and sister-in-law are awful people. That's not what I said. 
He's the same guy that said that if somebody talks bad about you, drink wine and take a nap. That's not what I said either. He used a scripture to back it up. No, I didn't. That's not what I did. Someone has talked about you behind your back. Maybe someone has said things to your face and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And for some of you, it's been done in your family and you're going to walk into a situation and have to look at those stupid people in the face on Thursday. And it's going to be awful, right? I, I know, I understand. It's tense. And this may have been David's case, but I think it goes deeper here, friends. I think David is speaking to people in general who are far from God. How long are you going to keep living this way? How long are you going to keep living this way? How long are you going to keep doing these things? How long are you going to keep running your mouth? Yeah, you run your mouth about me, but how long are you going to live separated from God? I would love to say that each and every one of us each and every one of us in this room are all in, sold out Christ followers. And during the holidays, we're going to go to celebrations and situations with a whole bunch of other Christ followers. But that's just not the case. So there are two sides of this coin that you have to understand. You, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. David's lamenting here. His heart hurts for the people. I think a little bit is from being personally attacked and hurt from people, but I think he had such a heart for God that I think his heart just burned for people who were far from God. And I want to give you a note today, and this is super simple, but I want you to think about this because I feel like right now, probably in your minds, a lot of you are, are thinking about maybe a situation that you're going to deal with or maybe an encounter or somebody, you're, you're like, oh, it's going to be awkward to have to see that person because maybe some history has been passed this week. And I, and I want you to write this note down. And that's this right here. It's hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. That's saying people who are hurt will hurt other people. That's, that's how you read that. That's not an accidentally copied and pasted twice. That's not what that is. Hurt people, hurt people. Think about it for a minute. For some of you, the holidays are a painful reminder that there is still hurt alive and well in the lives of your family. I had a pastor share with me one time. He gave, he gave me like this insight. We were talking about something, and we were talking about people who, who live in sin. And, and, you know, and he was, him and his wife were pastors or pastor to church, and his wife's family were like, well, they're just heathens, right? You know what I mean? Like, they refused to go to church. They were not into this kind of stuff. Um, they, they didn't want to hear about it. You, they didn't want you to invite them. And I asked him one time, I said, how do you, how do you deal with that? I said, how, how, do you, how do you go into those situations? And he said, you know, I think about it like this. He said, he said, expecting someone who is not a follower of Christ to be all about the stuff that followers of Christ are about is like expecting someone not to breathe air. Expecting somebody who is far from God to sin, you know, not to sin, it's like expecting them not to breathe. And I began to think about that, and I wrote this down, and I, and I wrote it this way. Expecting someone who is not a follower of Jesus to not sin, to not hurt other people, is like expecting someone to not breathe air. The problem we have in our families, the problem that you're going to experience in these situations that are awkward and comfortable is that, is that there's probably people in these situations who are far from God, who need forgiveness, who need healing, who need to seek his face and find some hope in him today. 
And there are hurt people in our families who are hurting other people. And as followers of Jesus, I think we have a hard time grasping this this concept sometimes. We kind of look at it as, well, I'm a Christian and I act this way, so everyone around me should act the same way. And it just doesn't pan out that way. Not everybody around you are followers of Jesus. Not everyone around you are followers of Jesus. I'm not saying you and I are the best people on the planet. We are not. We're not perfect. We don't have it figured out. But we are called to live differently. So how we rise about and handle ourselves in the midst of some of these situations absolutely matters. Here's a reminder for you today. I want you to write this down. To appreciate where he has brought us to, we have to remember where he has brought us from. If you really want to appreciate where you are now, remember where he brought you from. For some of you, it wasn't maybe that far. It was like, well, I was a pretty good person, and then I, I got Jesus, and I was just a little bit of a better person at that point. Some of y'all, it was like, no, nah, I was awful. I was, I was a bad, bad news, tennis shoes, bad news bear person, and he set me free, and he rescued me, and I stand over here, and I look back where he brought me from. And every day I wake up, and I realize, I realize that was my life. What kind of God could, what kind of person could change, change me from that to this, to bring me that far? I can't believe I was ever that person. It's a true and living God. And through his son, Jesus, who he sent to earth to teach us how to love and teach us how to live and to redeem us and to be our savior. That's how you can come from being that scoundrel of a person to somebody who has been made new in Christ. If you want to throw that back up there to appreciate where he has brought us to, we have to remember where he has brought us from. Do you remember? Do you remember who you were before Jesus came into your life? Do you remember the way you acted before Jesus came into your life? Do you remember how you treated people? Do you remember how you carried around an emptiness in your life? Nothing could fill it. Relationships, substances, nothing could fill it. If you can't really answer these questions, maybe Jesus really isn't part of your life to begin with. Don't worry, I'm going to give you an opportunity today. David's writing in Psalms speaks to me on so many levels. I, I mean, I love reading. If, if you're ever confused, I'm like, what do I want to read? What, how do I read this Bible? How do I go about reading it? And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one today. Um, we've got them out there on the table. Just take one. If you don't have a physical Bible, we'll give you one. Um, and uh, we pick translations that are easy to understand, easy to read. We want you to be able to be in the Word today. And if you're confused on where to start, because there's a lot of pages in there, like a thousand. You know what I mean? Like a bunch. There's a whole bunch of pages. I encourage you, if you want to look around in the Old Testament, go to Psalms. Read some of the Psalms. It'll teach you how to give thanksgiving, how to be thankful and read some of David's writing and how we worship and, and the things that we say and the language that we use. And then jump on over to the New Testament and read about the life of Jesus because that's what this thing is based around and, and who we follow. I would love to tell you that anytime someone crosses me, I just let it roll off like nothing. I don't. 
Most of y'all know me well enough by now to know that I don't put up with crap, right? You know, someone cuts me off on the road. Oh, look at this moron. Man, where's the cop? I hope they get pulled over. You've been in that situation. Somebody drives like a jack wagon, and you just whisper a prayer, Lord, bring the sheriff. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, it's the sound of the police. And they come out, pull out somewhere, and then they, they, they get behind that person, they pull them over, and you just feel so, like, vindicated in that moment. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, yes! You know, it's, it's probably not the most Christ-like behavior. I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen. It's like, I don't want him to, like, wreck their car and die. I, you know, I just want him to, like, get a flat tire and just inconvenience him for a little bit for driving like a moron. You know, that's, that's what I want, right? But I want you to check out what David has to say in Psalm 5. Listen to this. He says, this gets interesting. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. Some of you are all thinking, Zach, you're describing some of my family I'm going to see this week. Yeah. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Man, something interesting happens in the scripture. Something happens here. We read it as two groups of people, the people who have it coming to them and then those who know the Lord. I read this as the wicked will experience the wrath of God, but pay attention to what David says. All who take refuge in you, take refuge in the Lord. All who take refuge in you, they rejoice. Let them sing. Let them give thanks. Let them give praise. When Jesus, years later, came to earth, he came to bridge this divide that we see here between the people who are lost, the wicked, to the people who take refuge in the Lord. Jesus came to bridge that great divide. And I just used a lyric from an old contemporary Christian song. Some of you may recognize it. But Jesus came to bridge that divide. To offer those wicked people an opportunity to turn from their ways and take refuge in a God who created them, in a God who has given them hope, in a God who has offered mercy and grace through his son, Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showed his kind, showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 5, 2 says, says like this. It says, live a life filled with love, following the, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. As followers of Christ, we are different. We have been changed. We no longer identify with that group of wicked because he's brought us from that, and we rejoice in the presence of our Savior, Jesus. 
And we know the hope that we have found in him. And when we walk into situations like this coming Thursday, these holiday get-togethers that may carry some hurt, some brokenness, we have to step back and remember where God brought us from. Because if we do, some of your family that will see you this week, they may still be where you were before he brought you to where you are now. Some of your family haven't been set free. You remember that old you? When you look back, you remember what he brought you from? Some of your family are still that person. Some of your family members are still hurting or still lost. And what happens with hurt people? Hurt people hurt people. For some of you, it's deep. They're deep wounds. And you say, Zach, you just can't understand what's, what's been done. I know I can't. That's between you and the Lord to handle. I just want to offer you some encouragement today. Maybe a different perspective today. Some of your family haven't been set free. And you will have the opportunity this week and the coming weeks as we gather with family and loved ones. You will have the opportunity to be Jesus to someone You're going to have the opportunity to be Jesus to someone, to offer hope to someone who needs it. You see, as followers of Christ, we must see people how Jesus sees people. That brings me to this note. We've got to see people not for who they are, but for who they could be. Because if who we were back here was all we were, That's still who we'd be today, but thank God that this wasn't who he wanted me to be, who he called me to be. We've got to see people for who, see people not for who they are, but for who they could be. Thanks living means realizing that when we were at our worst, Christ was at his best. When we felt like we couldn't go any further, And this was all you were going to get. This is me. This is all you're going to get from me. God had other plans. He didn't see us for, for who we are, who we were there. He saw us for who he created us to be. Thanks living means recognizing that God saw us not as we, as we were, but for who we were meant to be. Thank God for that. I'm thankful today that he gives us hope, and we say he gives you new life, man, we mean it. Because I can introduce introduce you to some people and you wouldn't believe who they were before Jesus to who they were after Jesus. It's literally a new life. Hey, this is Pastor Zach, and thanks for listening to the Center Point Church Podcast. Remember, hope is alive, and his name is Jesus.